I think it's very important to keep that in mind to take care of ourselves because, you know, I always tell my clients and, and people I've supervised that you can't pour from an empty cup, you know, so you can't give more than you are recharging yourself and uh, throughout the day. So it's really important to include self-care in, in your routine. Uh, and it doesn't have to be something fancy like a bubble bath or something like that, but setting those boundaries sometimes is a good place to start. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our first ever Latinos con Voz podcast episode. This podcast has been put together by the team at the National Hispanic Latino Addiction and Prevention Technology Transfer Centers and is made possible by grant funding from the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, also known as SAMHSA. Both the ATTC and PTTC are housed at the National Latino Behavior Health Association, NALBA. The National Hispanic and Latino ATTC and PTTC understand that there is a lot of important discussion focusing on the terminology individuals choose to use for cultural identification. There are different terms such as Latinos, Hispanics, Latinx, Latine, and others, which are all equally valuable. We advocate for self-identification for every person. For this product and additional resources, our centers are using the term Latino and are supported of the way our guests chose to identify themselves and our community. For more information about our parent organization, our National Hispanic and Latino ATTC and PTTC can be found by clicking the links in the bio. My name is Dr. Susie Villalobos. I am the co-director for the National Hispanic Latino Addiction Technology Transfer Center, and I'm excited to join you today for our first podcast that will highlight issues of importance for our Latino communities. I, along with others in the National Latino Behavioral Health Association, will talk to individuals making a difference in the walk and talk of Latino life. Each series will contain three to five episodes contributing to different behavioral health themes throughout the year. This series is titled Lideres Latinas, Latina Leaders. So this week's podcast is You Are Enough. We will be talking to Latina leaders whose gender has been a challenge and a source of strength as they navigate many different business worlds such as academia, business, and agency. Latinas face obstacles achieving proportionate representation in all significant leadership roles. Today's podcast is focused on identifying shared and unique characteristics of Latina leaders who have been successful in navigating through these obstacles and reaching their successes. Research suggests there are four essential characteristics that Latina women possess as successful leaders. One, they are creative. Two, they are good listeners. Three, they are optimistic and positive. And four, they are passionate. Other studies have also suggested these women are of high integrity, transformational leaders, and visionaries. Studies also suggest positive influences such as educational attainment, participation in leadership trainings, possessing self-confidence, having role models, religious influence, and positive family influence. 
Some noted challenges in these studies also found critical obstacles, such as lack of mentors, lack of opportunities, cultural obligations, and family obligations. The literature on Latinas and Latina leadership is limited, so there's an urgent need to find out what makes them so successful. So let me introduce you to my first guest that will help us dive deeper into this wonderful topic. So my first guest is Dr. Camila A. Pulgar Guzman, who was born in Santiago, Chile. Dr. Pulgar is a bilingual therapist and a research faculty working in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Since receiving her master's degree in mental health counseling and obtaining her LMCHA in 2016, Dr. Pulgar has worked tirelessly to fill the gap between the needs of bilingual therapists and the Latinx community mental health needs in Portsmouth County, North Carolina. Dr. Pulgar is a graduate of the PhD program in counseling education and supervision program at the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. Her research focuses on the acculturated stress and suicide ideation in Latinx emerging adults, spirituality in counseling, bilingual supervision, and suicide prevention. Her research experience highlights the need for culturally responsive interventions and evaluations. She also started a business called Salud Mental Health PLLC, which aims to fill the gap of mental health services accessible for the Latinx community in Forsyth County by providing bilingual counseling and resources such as the Mental Health Kits, which is a fun way for families to talk about mental health and seek resources. Dr. Budgad is also a board member for the National Latino Behavioral Health Association and received the Beginning Counselor Award for both the North Carolina Counseling Association and Association for Child and Adolescent Counseling of North Carolina. She is also a recipient of the NBCC Minority Fellowship Award, Doctoral Student 2019-2020, and the 2021 APA Interdisciplinary Minority Fellowship. Her continued work and engagement with the Latinx community is the key to her passion for increasing the access of underserved communities for mental health resources in both the mental health and research field. Welcome, Dr. Pulgar. How are you today? Hello, Dr. Villalobos. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you for joining me today on our first episode. I'm so excited to have you here today and talking about this topic as Latina women are really becoming leaders across the nation and across the world. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Latino leadership. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself and your family? Yeah, absolutely. So like you said in that beautiful introduction, I was born in Santiago, Chile. And I immigrated to North Carolina uh, when I was 16 years old with uh, my parents and my three younger brothers. Wow. So you had brothers as well. I, I have a young, uh, younger brother, too. And, and uh, that, I think, is always great to have a, a mix of brothers and sisters. But sometimes you have to develop sisterhood with some of the people you meet throughout your life and not necessarily in your family. Yeah, that's that's correct. I I actually enjoy being the only only daughter, uh, and uh, I um you know I received my 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 license um, back in 2016, and since then I've been working as a therapist. And 
last year I finished my PhD in counseling and currently I'm working as a research faculty at a medical center here locally in Winston-Salem. So I, I do both, you know, the therapy and the research. So it's really a, a nice balance for me. Yeah, that's what, well, congratulations on, on receiving your PhD and all your successes, Dr. Flugat. Um, one of the things as an oldest daughter, how does being the oldest motivate you in all that you do and currently do and, and looking forward to the future? Yeah, that's that's a beautiful question. So I think for me, you know, at a very young age, I I recognized the responsibility I had. Um, and it's just kind of like unspoken responsibility that as the older, older daughters uh, get, you know, and um, and taking care of and helping out around the house and helping um, on raising our younger siblings. And, um, and we just, I think there is something unique about that responsibility because it has its pros and cons, you know? I think growing up, I always felt um, like I needed to be okay for everyone else and, and make sure that everyone else was okay before I took care of myself. And, you know, sometimes when you are in a, in a high stressful career or you, you want to set yourself up for success, you sometimes, you sometimes tend to forget to rest, you know, and that's, that's something I think that um, as Latinas, we tend to do, we tend to put everybody else first and then uh, we don't take care of ourselves in the process. Yes. And I love that you said that because I think now more than ever, it's coming to light how much Latino women have on their shoulders and carry on their shoulders. I think one mm -hmm. of the things that really this year has highlighted was the movie that just came out, um, Encanto. Absolutely. One of, one of the characters in that movie is taking on all of the responsibilities of the family, uh, doing mm -hmm. the and like there's no cracks in her facade on the outside, but it, it appears that there's a lot going on on the inside. Absolutely. I, I love Encanto and I think I've watched it, I don't know, 20 times now. <laughs> um, my husband and I went out to watch it when it first came out and we both were like in all our feelings after that movie. Um, because, you know, even though my husband is not from a Latinx background, he is a son of immigrants. So he can also understand some of those struggles. Um, he's also the oldest son in his family. So all of that sense of responsibility that Luisa portrays in that movie um, it just it just made us all feel seen and heard. All of us who have the role of um, of that caretaker that we never say no or you know I can't right now. We always say yeah, absolutely, I will take care of that for you. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's important what you brought up about self care and wellness and understanding and actually having the foresight to look into our own feelings and be aware. Uh -huh. Am I um, do I need a break? Do I need to just sit and be quiet for a few minutes and not have the weight of the world on me? And I think that is just as important as all of the other uh, research identified skills and strategies is understanding what makes us tick in the end. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, um, I think it's very important to keep that in mind to take care of ourselves because, you know, I always tell my clients and, and people I've supervised 
that you can pour from an empty cup, you know, so you can give more than you are recharging yourself and uh, throughout the day. So it's really important to include self-care in, in your routine. Uh, and it doesn't have to be something fancy like a bubble bath or something like that. But setting those boundaries sometimes is a good place to start. Yes, definitely. And one of the things for me um, growing up, and I think now as an adult with, with a young son, I always had people that I looked up to. I always mm-hmm. gravitated toward people that I thought were successful in life, successful mm-hmm. in academia, successful in research. How important is mentorship in in a success of a, a Latina leader? Yeah, you know what? I, I think it's key. I think for me, throughout my career, you know, starting at my high school years, my college years, I always wanted to have a mentor that looks like me, that maybe had that immigrant background, um, that spoke Spanish. But it wasn't until my late um, late college years and early graduate years that I found someone, you know, and I think I think that's something that academia could do a lot better of mentoring. Um, and even like within the school systems, maybe mentoring young Latinas and just our Latinx youth in, in, general, in general, so that they can see themselves represented in, in leadership. You know, I think that's very important because as an immigrant myself, I was very, very, kind of, you know, a mixture of fear and a mixture of uncertainty at the beginning in my immigration process of really wanting to do this career. I, I always tell people that I've always known that I wanted to be a therapist mm-hmm. since I was like 12. <laughs> but, um, but then, you know, moving to uh, a different country, I didn't know how and neither did my parents, you know, for my parents, even though they both have uh, graduate degrees from back in, in, in our home country, they, they didn't know the education system in the United States, you know, and, um, and just not knowing how to support me in that, I think was hard for them as well. So I think that for me, finding mentors, um, one of them that comes to mind, Dr. Stein, she's a clinical psychologist from Mexico, and it's just this beautiful relationship that we built since I was in college. And it also turned out that she sat in my dissertation committee. So all the way through my PhD years, I've been able to, to reach out to her when I have a question. I've been able to even work with her in projects um, and just having you know, her pave the way and kind of tell me, um, you know, this is this is a good opportunity. This might not be a good opportunity. Um, and kind of just someone that's rooting for you on that other side, I think is really, really important. And like you mentioned in my in my introduction, I was able to do two fellowships during my my PhD program. And I think for folks who might not have that person, you know, either in their department when they're doing their PhD program or at their school, looking out for programs outside of the institution that are kind of like a fellowship per se, that often have a strong mentorship component. Because th- during those two fellowships, I was able to, to get a mentor during that semester and receive that relationship and someone that I still talk to, you know, to this day. Um, but they will also 
provide that guidance throughout your career. So I think it's, it's key. It's really, really key to find that mentor. I love that. Yes, Dr. Bugatta, because, you know, I, I also did a fellowship, but it was late in, in the last two years of my PhD program. And mm-hmm. so if I think if I would have had somebody sooner who would have had the um, information for me to tell me as a Latina female that don't take those barriers and challenges internally, because I think in the beginning, mm-hmm. that was the hard part is overcoming the voices and the individuals who told you that you couldn't do it or exactly. you're not hard enough to do it, or you're not financially ready to complete uh, a master's degree or, or a PhD or a certification. And I think for me being wired differently regarding feelings of negativity and using those emotions to feel motivation and pushback, I think that's something that a lot of Latina leaders have in common is turning and pushing back any feelings of uh, negativity and turning them into positivity. Mm. So, so, you know, as a therapist, there's a part of me that um, wants to challenge that a little bit because it's not so much about pushing down or pushing away those negative feelings. I think throughout my own personal work, um, and yes, I'm a therapist who has a therapist because I think it's unethical if you don't have a therapist as you do this work. Um, those negative feelings, you know, come from a place of vulnerability and fear. And I think before we we can do the work of turning them into motivation, I think we have to sit down with them and just kind of look at them at a, at a deeper way, you know, and 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 whose voice is that? Like you, like you said, like, is it a societal voice that's telling me that I can't do this? Or is it maybe an adult in my life that as a child told me that I wasn't worth of love and belonging? So identifying before, you know, pushing them away, I think identifying them, them where they come from, um, whose voice really do they represent um, is how we, we can work towards, towards healing because Sometimes we, we, we spend energy on pushing things away and pushing things down with either, you know, food or distractions or other things. Um, but I think it's, it's as important as to sit with it and to sit in the discomfort for a little while, you know, and to kind of, um, and to kind of be okay with sometimes having those negative feelings because pushing them away sometimes just takes more energy than than actually getting taking a look at them at a deeper way. Um, and only then you can start the healing process because I think even even if we can't if we don't think about it this way, by becoming a leader, it takes a lot of emotional toll. you know, it takes a lot of emotional energy and emotional capacity. and um, it's not so much about, just doing and doing the work. And, you know, in my case, maybe publishing papers or uh, seeing the next amount of clients or, you know, making sure my business is successful. Um, But it's also about modeling that that healing process and that, um, because, you know, sometimes in our community, we're so, we stigmatize mental health so much and we want to push away all of those negative feelings. 
But the negative feelings are also a, a really native and um, human expression of emotion, right? So, so I think for me, it's been key to add uh, a relationship with a therapist throughout my my career because it's as important as I tell my clients, you know, to to take care of their mental health and to um, and to to be active in their healing process. It's the same way as important for me to do so as well. Yeah, and I'd love that. Yeah, you're you're walking the talk. I mean, you <laughs> yeah tell people to go to a therapist or get therapy if you're not doing it yourself. Mm-hmm. And I brought up, you know, modeling. And I, that really brings me to my next question for you, Dr. Purga, who are your role models growing up and, and maybe now currently? Yeah. So, you know, I, I could not answer that question without uh, mentioning my parents, obviously, and, and neither, um, one above the other. I think both of them equally have been such a powerful force of guidance and love and um, and modeling, like we were saying for for myself. Um, actually, my mother is a is a therapist. She became a therapist back in Chile, um, but then you know when folks immigrate, it's the process is hard to to do your degree and things like that. So she decided to to take her career it's still kind of like in in therapy fields but not no this not a licensed therapy wise but anyways so i i got a, a lot of my inspiration from her and i learned a lot about human emotions and relationship from her and believe it or not my father is also an academic he has a phd in chemistry and biology back f- from the university of chile so i like to think about this career path I've chosen as a beautiful balance between both of their energies, you know, both of their uh, paths. And, um, and obviously they have, they have helped me grow into the person I am today. So they're definitely my, my role models and, and biggest supporters. And I think, you know, outside my family, um, I follow the work of uh, Patricia Redondo very closely. She is um, a, a therapist and a researcher and consultant and just um, a really big figure in the counseling world. And she has dedicated her career around multicultural aspects um, that affect uh, counseling and access and delivery for, for the Latinx community. So I, I do follow her work really closely. Um, and, you know, my everyone that has supervised me and and helped me become a clinician, I think those are folks that throughout my career um, have been a, have a huge impact. Uh, and to this day, I still in t- I keep in touch with them. Um, and, you know, people sometimes are surprised about this answer, but my clients are truly my biggest teachers because if you're not listening to your clients and the feedback that they give you, you know, the way that uh, maybe they might react to an intervention or they might react to something you say or they might, um, I have clients that are super direct and tell me, hey, that's not working for me. Let's try something else, you know? So um, just really listening to 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 my clients um, have been real has been really impactful in in my career, um, and you know I am very close to my younger brothers and 
my youngest is a uh, suicide attempt survivor and um, a lot of my work is around suicide prevention with the Linux community. And I think everything I do around that is started with him and his his journey and his um, his struggles and his journey in, in, into healing. Um, and to this day, sometimes I, you know, I, I call him and I uh, check up on him or, you know, I ask him how he's doing. And, um, and I continue to learn what it's like for folks to 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 live with that suicide thoughts or depression chronically and and not everyone has that experience you know and so for me having him in my life um it's it's really it's it's really inspiring for my career and um and I get to learn from him so I'm very thankful for him as well well Dr. Pugada that's amazing and and you're such an inspiration as a clinician and I think you're right and in, in listening to your clients, as someone told me the other day that they are attending therapy and that the therapist had watched a movie in Canto and didn't realize how much away from the real talk as a Latina female they were getting away from and started asking questions about carrying the burden as uh, the one in the family who was always called upon to take mm -hmm. on any of the burdens that may be occurring at the time. So Thank God for, for you and for your brother and, and all the success that you have currently right now as a clinician and as a researcher. And I'm just so happy to have you on my show today. And I'm just wondering if um, before we wrap up, you wanted just to leave us with any final final words of, of your, you know, kind of your journey as to becoming a Latina leader. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think one of the things that I, I reflect back on, on my career is that um, don't wait for the opportunities to come to you because sometimes um, we might see folks around us, you know, getting opportunities and, and having folks um, cheering them on or, or whatever. But if you're not in a position where you have someone like a mentor or something, it's okay to go out and find the opportunities for yourself, you know, and, um, and ask around, ask questions. Um, sometimes we we feel shy or insecure to to reach out to a potential mentor but i think at least i speaking for myself you know i'm more than open for folks to just send me an email and say hey uh let's explore creating a mentorship uh relationship if it's a good fit i i do have a couple ment mentees right now that i uh, that i work with because um because it's really, it was really important, but it, you know, it's not folks that I have reached out to, they have actually reached out to me. So I think don't be afraid of reaching out and, and asking for, for help and asking for guidance in your career. If, if becoming, you know, a, a leader or a, a, a successful academic is part of your journey, um, there are people out there out there to, to support you and, and that want you to succeed because we need you, you know, we need, we need more Latinas in our fields and we need more Latinas in leadership positions. Yes. I love that. And you may have opened up a can of worms by putting uh, your email out there for anyone <laughs> and wants some more after uh, hearing your story. Well, Dr. Pulgada, it has been such a pleasure talking with you today about such an important topic. And thank you so much for being our first guest on podcast. I hope you will come back throughout the year and talk with us again. You're truly an inspiration and motivator for Latino women across the United States. And to our listening audience, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule 
and spending time with us today. We hope you enjoyed the episode on Latina leadership. Please also listen to our Spanish and Portuguese language versions found on our National Latino Behavior Health Association webpage. Also, join our Juntos Network and stay up to date on our upcoming events and new podcast episodes focused on everything behavioral health and mental health for Latinos. Have a wonderful day. Adios. The opinions expressed herein are provided by the guests. Therefore, do not officially reflect the views, opinions, or official positions of the National Latino Behavioral Health Association, the National Hispanic and Latino ATTC or PTTC, nor do reflect the official position of the Department of Health and Human Services and or Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. No official support or endorsement of DHHS, SAMHSA, for the opinions described in this document is intended or should be inferred.